it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Get these shows ad free and get a VIP membership with all the benefits that come with the subscription for just $1.50 with our black. Black Friday sale this month. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And at checkout, enter coupon code SAVE850. That's SAVE850. Subscribe with a single click to Apple Podcasts. No password to enter. No URL to cut and paste. No advanced settings. That's new this year. And get the new Focus on AEW daily podcast series that I started on November 1st with special interviews, special guests, all the latest news, TV reviews, TV previews, editorials, Q&A with listeners, and more, along with all our regular VIP shows like The Fix with Todd Martin, Everything with Rich Fan, The Post Pay-Per-View Roundtables, The Wade Keller Hotlines, and a ton of specialty shows with a diverse group of hosts who will entertain and inform with their passion about the topics they speak about. Go VIP with our Black Friday sale for just $1.50 or take $8.50 off any subscription term with coupon code SAVE850 at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
If it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Good Sunday evening for November 28th, 2021. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks, and hard to believe it's almost December already. We've got a lot of big shows coming up to talk about. We've got a lot of big shows that have already happened that we're going to talk about, as we always do here on Wrestling Night in America. I want to thank Kelly Wells and Tom Stout for filling in for me last week on the Survivor Series post-show. And we'll talk a little bit about Survivor Series tonight and the things that uh, happened on TV subsequent to that. Remember, no December pay-per-view for WWE. Their next pay-per-view is January 1st, so a special edition pay-per-view from Atlanta, Georgia on New Year's Day. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. And as I said, the big shows coming up, they don't stop. We've got NXT War Games. Notice the lack of takeover branding. NXT War Games is coming up next Sunday night. So join me right here. After War Games goes off the air, we'll have all of your reaction right here on Wrestling Night in America. You can follow me on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. If you want to participate in the show, 515-605-9345 is the number to call. Make sure you press 1 so you show up in the queue that you want to talk. Otherwise, you can just hang out and listen. You can find us PWTorchDailyCast.com, live or on demand. And you can also reach us via email, 24-7. That would be WNIALivecast at gmail.com. And we have quite a few emails, some left over from last week, some new to get through this week and to help me navigate through the remnants of Survivor Series as well as what's coming up with NXT War Games next week is PWTorch.com contributor Dr. Bruce Hazelwood. Uh, Dr. Bruce, can you can you hear me all the way there in Hawaii through this tin can and string that we're using here? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Although, you know, I had a great beach day today again. I got some water in my ears, so like a little fuzzy on my end. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's it's uh, <laughs> not quite as beachy weather here in Florida. It got about to, um, and I know the people in the in the northern part of the United States are going to hate us for for bragging on this, <laughs> but uh, you know, it just barely got into the seventies today. So not not quite warm enough to head to the beach, especially oh. when you got the wind coming off the water, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, and everything like that. So. Uh, uh, it was uh, it was a little chilly, <laughs> a little chilly down here in Florida. <laughs> hey, I fully acclimated in the mornings. Uh, you know, I used to live in Washington and Seattle, and pretty much my whole life in Washington. And if it was sixty six degrees there, it was a nice day, no matter what. Uh-huh. Here in the mornings, it's sixty six degrees and windy, and I need a coat. I need <laughs> sweatpants. I've already acclimated, Greg. <laughs> well, you you got acclimated a lot quicker than I did to Florida. I'm from New York, so when I moved down to Florida about nine years ago, uh, it took me a little. To, to get uh, to get used to it. Now I'm officially embracing the Florida weather, and I'm you know 60 66 would be cold to me now. After I, I was the same way as you were. I was, that's shorts and t-shirt weather in New York. Um, so yep. I I don't know. The the weather has a funny way of affecting us. I guess in the best way for us too, but everyone else. You know, I'm sure Kelly and and, and Wade up there in Minnesota are doing just fine. Oh, I'm sure they're 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 soldiering on. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to I want to first talk about Survivor Series. Let's look in the rearview mirror a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was a show that I, I don't ever remember a Survivor Series that was so ill hyped as this one. And, and it's not so much you know that they didn't even 
put hype into it until the last minute. It was just the haphazard way. And, and WWE, there, there's no consistency in how they announce the teams from year to year. Sometimes there's qualifying matches. Sometimes it's announced by a an authority figure on screen. This year, it was blasted out on social media on a Sunday afternoon. And then they spent the next two weeks rearranging the team. <laughs> it was just like, well, what was the point of even putting it out there in the first place? So, um, you know, I think the I think the show itself was better than the hype, although that's a kind of a low bar to clear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had some you had some strong matches. I thought Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair was a really strong match. Um I thought Reigns and Big E was a good match. Um, there, there were some moments in the elimination tag matches that were good. Um, but, uh, you know, what did you think of, of the hype of Survivor Series and then the, the event itself? Did the event feel like as much of an afterthought as the hype going into it made it <laughs> seem like it was? Sure. So... Torch listeners, subscribers know that I cover Raw alongside Wade on Monday nights. And I will say that aside from the Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair feud, and the Roman Reigns Big E feud, the rest of the build to Survivor Series was utter crap. And like you said, what made it worse was that they announced teams on a platform that a fraction of people are on, and then they proceeded to rearrange those same teams over and over again. So the hype wasn't good. The, the event, I think... It was passable. I think it would be more memorable and would have been more impactful had the build been better, like we just saw Full Gear um, not too long before that. So the lack of, outside of those top two matches, to me, the lack of investment because of the storytelling, because of the build. And, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in the 90s, Survivor Series was one of those that I looked forward to because you got to see these random groups of wrestlers who normally you wouldn't see together compete in elimination-style matches and to see how some people grew from that. I still think about the odds of Randy Orton was, I think, sole survivor two out of three years, and he was on a winning team three straight years. That kind of sent a signal that, that he's being propelled to the next level, and of course he did that. On Monday night, you know, Big E did make, uh, I thought, what I like to see from my babyface champion is he acknowledged his defeat, he didn't blame anyone but himself, and he soldiered on and said that he needs to do better. So there was some acknowledgement there. Uh, I, I just, for me, Survivor Series now, I, I call it the Survivor Series season where they get into this weird um, conundrum of booking that they put themselves into because of how they have decided to book Survivor Series as the bragging rights pay-per-view, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just going back to having people who are feuding put teams together and go at it. And that's what I would like to see. Um, I think it was forgettable. I don't think they built upon it enough um, this week, but... Uh, you know, they have six weeks now, about six weeks, five weeks or so, to um, build that next pay-per-view, which is supposed to be a monumental January 1st pay-per-view, as you brought up. Let's see if they can actually, you know, what's the, what's the term, maintain our, our actual investment until that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's always interesting to me is to uh, look at the survivors of the elimination matches and try to decipher... WWE's booking going forward with them. Now, uh, the survivors, there were two sole survivors, which is not something that you see very Mm -hmm. often. It was uh, Seth Rollins uh, winning for the Raw side and Bianca Belair also winning 
for the Raw side. And the one thing I will say about WWE is I, I can understand where they're coming from in the booking here. You've got Big E as your mm-hmm. champion on the Raw brand. Uh, you've got Seth Rollins, who has sort of been teasing being involved with Big E and going after the uh, championship that that Big E holds. And so you put Rollins over strong, you put the heel over strong. Presumably Rollins is next in line for Big E. He uses that as sort of a uh, a resume builder, uh, if you will, to get to Big E. And then on the women's side, you have Bianca Belair, who... Uh, you know, some may argue she may not need it. Some uh, may have been looking at Liv Morgan being one of the survivors as, as you know, a way to boost one of these younger women, whether it was her, whether it was Tony Storm. And I do think, you know, and I tweeted about this after the fact when I was able to watch it was, you know, Tony Storm and, and Liv Morgan, I think, were, were elevated a little bit in the eyes of fans who maybe not be as familiar with them um, by virtue of what they did in the match. But you have Bianca Belair who uh, now is in position to once again challenge Becky Lynch. Um, Belair was put over strong in that match, and and so you're setting up Belair Lynch, and you're setting up uh, Big E versus versus Seth Rollins. So um, what did you make of of those two survivors of the, the elimination matches? Would you have preferred to see more survivors be put over with them, or do you think because these two are likely going into major title matches sooner rather than later, it's important for the focus to be on them for the victory? I think when it comes to Bianca Belair, it was fine exactly as it played out. Making her be the sole survivor was probably how I would have booked it. And actually having her put out, you know, four consecutive competitors, that is, uh, that is a, a feat, even though, even in the kayfabe world, that is a feat. And considering that she lost so much momentum after SummerSlam and they're still trying to regain that back, this is a, this is a great step, or was a great step for them to sort of, uh, remind the fans that Bianca Belair really is at the top tier. Not, it's not just the four that we think of. Bianca Belair is right there too. Um, if not, you know, better than some of the four. So I think that was fine. I'm, I understand, like you said, why you have Seth Rollins over. Uh, I think the sole survivor designation could have gone to someone else in this match to have at least. I don't think Seth Rollins needed the boost as much. If that, because he's had so many accolades already, mm-hmm. and he's a character who can be um, just microwaved really quickly, as we've seen throughout his time since um, his run as, you know, the authority or the um, went the I bought in champion, right when he was WWE champion then. So I'm not sure he needed it as much, but I do think so. I've been advocating for since August that Damian Priest is going to win the Royal Rumble. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Um, this presentation he he presented with, it, you can kind of it could be a signal that he will be, but I think it might be a red herring that he's going to get eliminated in the rumble and then really just go full fledged, uh, maybe even heal from there with that attitude. This could be a, a step to then having Seth Rollins win the rumble as well, um, and then have him challenge at WrestleMania. Now, I don't remember who it was on Monday night uh, who brought it up on the post show, but I think someone talked about how they see Seth Rollins now as as um, set up to defeat Big E and become the next WWE champion. Now, I don't know if that happens January 1st, but I do think um, it makes more sense now for him to win the Royal Rumble after being a sole survivor than it did beforehand. And so I think um, Big E versus Rollins at Mania is probably 
if I had to put money on it, it's probably the match that I would say has the most likely chance of happening. Interesting. You know, when, when WWE does the build, it does feel like it's always so short-term now, right? So if they're teasing mm-hmm. dissension between two wrestlers, you can probably bet that it's going to be on the next pay-per-view. That's a pretty long time for WWE to stretch out that program. We're sitting here at the end of November, and you're talking about WrestleMania end of March, early April. Uh, do you think they can really keep it going, or is it a situation where somewhere between now and then Rollins wins the title, maybe at the Rumble, and then Big E gets his rematch going into WrestleMania as challenger uh, against Rollins? I think it's actually that there's some kind of screwy finish that has Big E retained. I think they might wrestle on the January 1st pay-per-view. And then, with that, he could then win the Rumble and then has an extra bit of um, not just motivation, but actual uh, legitimacy behind challenging for the WWE Championship again. And it would also give him a reason if he wins the Rumble to go after Big E instead of Roman Reigns uh, because he has that already happening. So I think there's some kind of finish, and it might be a finish where Rollins kind of screws himself, um, but it's not necessarily a clean victory for Big E. We just saw him not get a clean victory over Austin Theory of all people on Monday night. Mm-hmm. So don't put it past. WWE to have their WWE champion win with a distraction or a screwy finish. I think that's the route they go, but um, I do think your suggestion is especially if, let's say Rollins beats Big E at the Rumble pay-per-view or even on January 1st, but more I would say at the Rumble pay-per-view, and then Big E enters the Royal Rumble later and wins the match. I think that would be, because I think some people have not sour, but cooled on Big E as WWE champion. I think he's done fine. I think he's actually improved along his way as WWE champion. But I think that could give um, another little bit of a bit of a boost to his uh, stature going into WrestleMania and then becoming WWE champion again. So, uh, and you know, he didn't have that WrestleMania moment to win the to win the WWE championship last year. So, or I guess this year. So, it could be a good way to give him that moment as well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Daily Cast listeners. Thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Well, we've got two Survivor Series emails to get to before we go to the phones. Uh, again, 515-605-9345. The first is from Zach in Texas, and this is actually sent after Survivor Series uh, last Sunday. He says, Greg... This card was a one-match show going in. Initially, they had that match, Becky versus Charlotte, penciled in for the main event as it (laughs) should have been. For some reason, they swapped to the opening match, and then they couldn't even put Becky over clean. At least the right person won, but they still can't get out of their own way. As I write this, there's two and a half hours at least left of a pay-per-view. That means nothing. Maybe The Rock shows up at the end of the show, but what does that say about WWE that they're reliant on the return of retired legends for the big pop? WWE has just given up trying. <laughs> so, um, yeah, The Rock was not at Survivor Series. I'm sure if uh, he was going to be there, WWE would have hyped it up ahead of time. I, I don't think that would be something they <laughs> surprise people with. I think they, they want to get as many eyeballs on there as possible, and certainly The Rock is going to do that for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you think of, first of all, the decision to put Lynch, uh, against Flair on first instead of last, I think the way the match unfolded, uh, the match itself, I think in terms of quality was a quality main event, 
but the finish was not a main event of a pay-per-view finish. Um, so that's, you know, and that's something that we do have to take into account, right? I mean, that's, um, we've seen that time and time again where there's a match that you think, oh, that could be a main event, and then you see the finish, and it's like, eh, that's not one you want to end the pay-per-view with. So that's kind of my rationale for that going on first. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, what did you think of that decision? And then, as Zach brought up, the decision to not put Becky over clean. She uses the rope for leverage. To me, that was more of a, you know, not only a reminder that Becky Lynch is still a heel, um, so she cheats to win, but also using Charlotte's own move against her. You know, Charlotte Mm -hmm. tried to pin her with that move, and Becky outsmarted her. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, So um, your your take on Mm -hmm. the match placement and then the finish. To me, turnabout is fair play is okay um, as a finish here. Uh, it would help if they didn't do so many of these finishes overall, of course, but Becky was just giving Charlotte a case of her own medicine, using the same thing that Charlotte was about to do to her um, and then turned, it on, turned the tables on her. So I think in that sense, it's fine. I do understand the need or the want to have a more definitive finish, but <clears throat> WWE is not going to have <clears throat> a definitive finish in a champion versus champion match. Unless, you know, it's WrestleMania, uh, was it six? Warrior and Hogan? Mm-hmm. Um, that, maybe then, but you're not going to really have that in a Survivor Series type of match. And so, that aside, you know, on Monday night, the crowd did not want to boo Becky Lynch, but then she went so hard in on Liv Morgan, like, you, you couldn't help but be like, I, I, I don't know if I want to cheer her anymore. Yeah. So, I think Becky Lynch is doing all she can to be a heel, even though the crowd, and, and you know, she is so amazingly talented that it, if you don't listen to the crowd, if you just listen to the words that she's saying, I mean, she is a despicable person right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, she's doing it really well. Um, now, for um, when it comes to Liv Morgan, people wanting her to have been a sole survivor or her to have been in the survivor pool. If you've been watching Raw the last days, I wrote about in my report, she has just not stepped up to the level she needs to be uh, to be in that main event spot. She had a chance with her promos, and they just have not done anything. And the only thing that worked for her is when she slapped Becky Lynch on Monday after she was getting berated, and then she started tearing up. Um, it's great to show emotion, right? But it just hasn't translated, not just in her promos, but in her matches. So I don't... People who have their hopes up there, I... I, I hate to break it to you, but I think you have your hopes in, in the wrong basket here, okay? And then when it comes to The Rock, he's been filming a movie in Australia for three months. So, I mean, the fact that – and the COVID protocols, there's no way he would have been able to come just for a one-off at Survivor Series. Let's, let's be realistic about this, people, right? So all that aside, um, the booking of Survivor Series, to me, worked in the vacuum of Survivor Series. But beyond that, there's really not much. Again, they didn't really build off on it this week. I, I think uh, this might be the time where they need to get rid of Survivor Series. I know there's been discussions before, and they have they didn't have it for um, a couple years, I believe, uh, maybe 12 years ago. But and, and the question, his point about they just giving up. You know, they have all this money, Peacock, um, Saudi Arabia, etc. I understand why they don't feel the need to have to put out. Uh, you know at $60 quality pay-per-view. And it's bit them because they can't build new stars. That's why John Cena has to come back. That's why The Rock has to come back. I mean, these old stars, yes, they get the pop, but 
you don't you're not able to build upon those stars to who's actually there right now and it's been an ongoing problem since basically the end of stone cold and the rock and i don't know what they can do from here since they released you know however many wrestlers this year and many of them had that potential um they're just going in circles basically they're an ouroboros they're eating their own tail <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, uh good comparison there i think um <laughs> Thank you. The the other email is also uh, from right after Survivor Series last week. This is from Ed from High Desert, California. He says, "Good evening. The big three matches were good and delivered. I have no idea why this pay per view was so long. They really stretched this out for absolutely no reason. From the commercials to video packages to entrances, they had an hour long pre show. Then it took them 15 minutes before the match started, and it took 50 minutes into the pay per view to start <laughs> the second match." When Drew headbutted Seth, Drew had been counted out. Shouldn't Sheamus have been DQ'd because of what Drew did? Is Sasha Banks partly being in the ring really a countout? And it seemed in the Roman Big E match it may have gotten to a 10 count, but the ref slowed. The big three matches delivered. Charlotte needs to stop with the moonsaults. The ending was blah in this match. Seemed like more of a draw, yeah. considering Charlotte popped right up. Usos and RK Bro was good. Riddle may not have the act for a world champ, but in the ring he has the world champ ability. The 25-man battle royal plus the product placement was awful. For Reigns and Big E, good match. The ending <laughs> felt flat. No Rock, no Brock, and just Reigns pinning Big E clean. It didn't make sense for Big E to pin Reigns as it would diminish when he does finally lose the belt, but it feels Big E drops some. No shame in losing, especially to someone of Roman stature, but really don't care about Big E now. I know how good Roman has been, but I'm wanting something else now. He's just beating everyone, and beating everyone clean and dominant. It's just kind of old. How about some type of actual feud for him that lasts? Realistically, how long can they run with Roman before it jumps the shark and him losing, and that moment starts to diminish? Doesn't have the desired effect you'd think it should. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Uh, thanks, Ed. Um, so, a lot to digest there. Uh, the first thing I will say is the pay-per-view <laughs> was very long, but let me tell you, when you were watching it on delay, my goodness, did that help. Uh, Fast-forwarding through all of the entrances for the elimination matches, all of the video packages, all of the commercials, um, I'm already watching most of wrestling via DVR. It's rare now when I can actually sit down and watch one live as far as the weekly shows, but they incentivize watching via DVR with all of the fluff. And that was true of Survivor Series as well. I was able to get through this in about two hours, basically. I mean, when you take out all of the, the stuff that you can fast forward through. Um, so I'll say that. And the other thing I want to I talk about, we haven't really talked about yet, is Reigns versus Big E and okay. the finish. Because that, that has created some controversy in terms of Reigns winning cleanly. And you look at the the previous pay-per-view, Reigns beating Finn Balor, and and I talked about this with Wade on um, on the flagship this week. I was back on the flagship, so if you haven't listened to the Wade Keller uh, podcast yet, uh, I was on the, the flagship. We talked a little bit about Survivor Series and a lot about uh, everything else wrestling under the sun, basically all the other companies we touched on um, in some form or fashion. But, you know, they, look at how they protected Finn Balor. Um you know, having the ropes mysteriously break to cost him the match. And not only did they not follow up on that, I mean, where's Balor now? He's not in any type of major picture. Um, and, and then you look at what they did with Big E, the champion on Raw, and they didn't even go that far to protect him. 
And so it does make you wonder, like, mm-hmm. what, what, what's the thought process here? Uh, did that bother you as much that Biggie not only lost, but lost cleanly when lesser opponents have been protected against Roman? Or is it just about not fitting into the story? Like, like you said, you know, Biggie owned it after the fact. I mean, is that is that part of it? That's, you know, him losing but doing so graciously and maybe using that as a springboard to be more serious or more aggressive may turn out to be the better tact. You know, sometimes champions just lose, and they just lose, and that that's fine. I understand people saying. Looking at the totality of Reigns' reign, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, as champion, that there have been some protections here and there. Uh, but the people he have gone clean over or definitively over, there have been, now I'm thinking especially of the Jey Uso feud that he had, and that's still playing into storyline between them. And it seems like when these clean finishes happen, it does more to advance the story for the person who lost. When I think about the protected finish, like Finn Balor, it, it seems I, I kind of want to explain that one away. That because the demon was there in kayfabe, there was some shenanigans going on with some demon energy or whatnot. I don't know. Just you know, trying to be trying to trying to make some sense of it. But it, it doesn't seem like it. Almost seems like the booking is the opposite with Frames in terms of people get put over. How do I put this? Because he's so dominant, when someone does get put over um, clean like that in a hard-fought match, I think it has more impact than those screwy finishes. And Biggie only had a big reason to do with why I'm okay in hindsight with how that match ended. Mm-hmm. If I and to the emailers complain about it just seems boring. Habib Nurmagomedov has never lost a fight in MMA. He retired undefeated champion, lightweight, right? Some of his fights, if you're not a grappling fan, were boring because all he would do is grab a hold of you, take you down, and choke you out, right? Uh, But to me, that's still not just entertaining, but it's a distinctive mark of a champion. He's not just a champion, but because of his dominance and how he went about, that puts him as the upper tier of UFC champions, right? He's kind of in that... that, um, the uh, the field with John Jones and George St. Pierre. And if you want to go back even further, you can put in the people like Toys Gracie. So uh, that to me is more comparable for Reigns is that his dominance is so good. You have to, it's just, you have to be attuned to it to really appreciate the artistic creativity of his dominance to a certain extent. Um, if, like I said, if you didn't like grappling, you want to be a fan, but he is arguably the most dominant champion of all time in mixed martial arts. So mm-hmm. I understand the frustrations, but it goes back to the previous emailer about they haven't been able to build up new contenders, new faces, new heels, new anybody to bring this uh, company forward and, and be able to put that responsibility on them aside from Roman Reigns or John Cena. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. Well, if you're just tuning in and we've reached nearly the bottom of the hour, I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks along with PWTorch.com contributor Dr. Bruce Hazelwood and we are here on Wrestling Night in America talking about uh, Survivor Series, recapping that. We'll move on after our next call to NXT War Games, which takes place next Sunday night and you can find us next Sunday night after War Games goes off the air. We'd love to hear from you via email or phone. Uh, email us WNIALivecast at gmail.com. Call in 515-605-9345 to talk about War Games next weekend. Uh, let's go to Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. First caller of the evening, Ryan. Welcome to Wrestling Night in America. What's your first question for us tonight? My uh, first question is on CM Punk. It's been making a big deal about him being undefeated in AEW. Who do you see the first person to end the winning streak of CM Punk? That's a good question. Um, you know, he's starting a feud with MJF, and they had quite the promo battle this past week on Dynamite. Uh, you know, with the way that, that MJF has been booked and knowing that he's, you know, one of the pillars of AEW, I know he talks about that and I think we're supposed to roll our eyes at it, but I mean, realistically, if you're looking at the young guns in, and I'm not talking about Austin and Colton gun, I'm talking about single N gun, young guns, uh, in AEW, uh, MJF certainly has to be up there. I think his name deserves to be mentioned as someone who would who could knock off Punk um, for the first time in AEW. Uh, do you see that person being MJF, Bruce, or do you think it's someone else? It's MJF. Yep. And the thing with AEW doesn't do a lot of, you know, screwy finishes, but the one person who tends to do them a lot and the one person who gets away with it because of his character is MJF. So I can just see it now where he's going to use that dynamite diamond ring clock him in the head, lock him in the arm bar, and say that CM Punk, or sorry, fell to the earth, and say that CM Punk passed out to fell to the earth or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's got to be MJF. And if it's not MJF, if they have CM Punk go over, I think he'd do irreparable harm to MJF. Yes, he can be built back, and he's a great talker. But he needs that definitive victory over not just, you know, a Darby Allen, not just uh, a Cody Rhodes. He needs it over a bona fide, legitimate star. 
and that is CM Punk. Give it to MJF because he is the future, not CM Punk. CM Punk is going to be fine. It doesn't matter if he's undefeated or not. It matters for MJF to keep getting those wins and to keep his streak going. I think if they never fight and they just do promo battles every week, I'd be happy. But yes, I, I, I do take your hey, point. I'll work too. <laughs> I do take your point. Um, Ryan, uh, we'll go back to you for your second question for us. Yeah, my uh, second question is on Triple H and Stephanie's oldest daughter. I heard she's training to be a wrestler. She's only 14. Who has the uh, job of doing that, though, to be a training <laughs> such a young person? Yeah, I, I don't know how official it is that she's training. Like, I don't know if it's um, – and I, I did read that she was training, but I don't know if it's, like, in an official WWE capacity or if, you know, she's just kind of training at home or, or under the supervision of someone else. But, I mean, you know, talk about pressure, Bruce, training <laughs> training Stephanie and Triple H's daughter. I mean, you, you better train her right. Like, I mean, that's that seems like it. If I was a wrestling trainer – that might be one that I have to think twice about. I'm like, oh boy, I don't, I don't know if <laughs> I want the pressure. <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me if the per- people that are actually training her are Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, yeah, uh, to yeah. begin with. And so, or someone like Shawn Michaels, who's very close to Triple H and very high up the food oh, chain yeah, in NXT. Yeah. Uh, Real dog. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I know there's been consternation recently about. Izzy and her taking a bump at 13 and all the hoopla that caused Lucha Dorado and the dad, all, all that. Um, I do understand, again, it's a physical sports, contact sport. Bumps are really ridiculously difficult. Running the ropes is hard. Um, but, uh, you know, let me ask you a question, Greg. Um, down in Florida, like, are 12 and 13 year olds playing football? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, are they playing hockey? Maybe not in Florida, but I mean in general. Yes, they are, yes. So I think we need to cut back a little bit here. And yes, there is a lot of um, risk associated with you know, youth in professional wrestling, just like there's a lot of risk associated with youth in pro, you know, playing football or soccer or you know, any kind of sport, basically. If, if it's done in a, in a very... You know, confined space. They really re- re- regulate um, what's happening, and you know, she could be learning how to roll and not taking bumps. She could be learning how to uh, run the ropes and things like that. Uh, there are things you can do besides bumps in professional wrestling to learn and, and improve yourself until you get to a more physically mature stage. So, there, you know, all the reports were just, were just that she started training. No info on what the training was or has been. So, let's just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with Izzy it was different because she was taking maybe a choke slam from a grown adult. But I understand that's a completely different situation. But training here, I think uh, we need to actually look at the aspects of what that training entails before we make a complete decision on if this is good or bad. And again, uh, we should probably take a more holistic look at youth sport in general and, and maybe go from there. And I think if there's anyone who understands the risks associated with training to be a professional wrestler at Stephanie mm-hmm. and, and Triple H. And I don't think they would um, mm-hmm. put her in any, in any harm at her age. Um, just kind of my impression. Um, Ryan, uh, back to you for your third and final question for us tonight. Yeah. Final questions on the incident with Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Heard the uh, thing got offered a uh, booking already from Great North Wrestling to take on the Blood Hunter. I guess the deal is he gets a 
thousand dollars if he can submit the blood hunter or append the blood hunter and they'll even play for his uh plane ticket to get out there. He says this is the first time someone's been offered a booking by actually jumping in to a uh, place they're not supposed to and wrestling. Um, I, I don't think so. I feel like there, I, there, there's an obvious answer to that, and I can't. I, I know that they've, you know, planted wrestlers in the crowd who've come out and, you know, attacked and done things like that. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm missing an obvious one where, you know, someone did jump the rail and and was rewarded for it. But I can't think of the the situation mm-hmm. offhand. Um, my concern with that is, first of all. You and I know that you know when you're an independent company, you're trying to do anything and everything to uh, to make a name for yourself, to try to attract attention, and this is going to attract attention. Heck, we're talking about it right here. This is not a company we would normally talk about on Wrestling Night in America, but because of that offer, we're, we're talking about it. So in that way, mission accomplished. But the, the the danger obviously is you're encouraging this behavior. People think, oh, that's an easy way to, to get booked or to get noticed. And so you're encouraging that. But the, the second thing is this was a person who thought that Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. like legit Seth Rollins, was messaging him online. And, and it was, you know, the screenshots are out there. It was obviously not the real Seth Rollins. So, I mean, this is someone who, you know, probably needs some kind of help in, in um you know, <laughs> that that they that they believe that that they believe that Seth Rollins is is messaging them mm-hmm. like that. That's not someone that you want to reward that behavior and things like that. So uh, there's a real issue there with that. And and what is the 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 mental state of this person that they would believe that and then not only believe that Seth Rollins was doing this, but to actually take this action, this drastic action on Raw. So you know. Uh, again, it, it garners this this organization uh, press, but at, at great risk, I think, to, in the wrestling business. Yeah, uh, like you say, Greg, I feel like there's an obvious case that we're just not we're just not able to remember right now. And in the world of professional wrestling, if this hasn't happened yet, I'd be very surprised. But you know, as you said. It, to the mental state you have to be in to believe that that was the actual Seth Rollins unable to afford a couple hundred dollars because of certain things. Um, and that, you know, basically they scammed you out of it. And then you go all the way to a show and run down from the upper sections that you were at to, to attack him. It's, I just don't know if this is, in any way, shape, or form, going to help him in any way, and that to me is the biggest concern here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that's that's when you and, see something like that happen. That's got to be the concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the closest thing I know of is Roadblock from a WCW oh, jump the rail on Hulk Hogan match. That that you know he had to get through training first before yeah. he could actually get a booking. Yeah, Rochester Roadblock. He was from up my way in New York. I should have should have thought of that one. But uh, yes, uh, Ryan, thanks for for the call. Appreciate uh, hearing from you this week. Okay, thanks for uh, taking the call. Absolutely. We've got uh, Reverend Keith on hold. We'll go to him next. But first, I want to get a couple of emails, uh, Bruce, about 
um, war games. So before we get to the match-by-match breakdown, I want to um, take a couple questions. And one of them is from Ed from High Desert. So he, he uh, had this addendum to his Survivor Series email. He said, uh, NXT question, does it make sense for NXT to do war games? Is that roster and do the stories line up enough to really fit that theme? It seems war games is a bit much for this NXT. And this is a complaint that I've heard quite a bit in, in you know, once war games was announced that, boy, you know, you're there are some people who maybe shouldn't be in war games matches. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a dangerous match to put these people mm-hmm. in. Um, I think that if you wanted the one thing that I think fits war games is the new school versus old school, which is what they're getting at in the men's yeah. war games match. But the problem is they've only done five minutes of that build, <laughs> you know, with, with the, with the match on <laughs> Sunday, you know, they had everybody come out at the end and start brawling. And, Vic, uh, you know, Vic Joseph was like, Oh, it's the old school versus the new school. And I'm like, okay. And now we have one TV to, to build that. I mean, that's, that should be a bigger deal. You know, that should be something that was built up from mm-hmm. the moment NXT 2.0 started to lead us to this War Games event. And instead, you know, that wasn't even... I mean, Champa kind of alluded to it at times in his feud with Braun Breaker, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't like the focus of the story. It wasn't the focus of these other feuds. Um, so, I mean, to the, to the question, is this... Um, is this really is war games necessary here for this? As you said, the the kind of TNA original versus main event mafia feel here works in that <laughs> full of war game. But the you know even Carmelo Hayes, they're probably not at the level yet where I'd feel comfortable watching them in type of match without fearing for their safety. Yeah, just because. Even when you had seasoned professionals in there, they took some hellacious, hellacious bumps and spots that, you know, really, really looked dangerous. And, you know, a, a, a slight rotation this way or not tucking that way could have really resulted in, in catastrophic injury for any of them. So I do understand the the concerns because I also have them. It also seems like it was just, oh, Champa and Breaker are feuding, Gargano and Hayes are feuding. Let's just put two other people on the team and have them do a War Games match. Because that's kind of what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think a lot of people's um, aversion or maybe hesitation to this just War Games match is that nobody from Undisputed Era is left in this match, right? Robert Strong is the only person left in the company, or Kyle Riley there too, but they're off doing their own things, right? Oh, Riley's on the card, but he's on this match. So uh, I think people, I thought it was so strong, but I think people just, I think they're so, they, they link Undisputed Era to war games so much that the thought of a war games match without them is is breaking some minds here, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, the women's match has a whole different vibe going on in that mm-hmm. one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, and the other thing, too, is, is war games has, a certain reputation, not only from its its days yeah. in the NWA and WCW, but also the War Games matches that have uh, ensued under the NXT banner. So I think there's a lot of hesitation about, ooh, you know, can this live up to that? You know, and I think that's a that's a valid concern. Yeah. Um, for that. 
As a listener of this show, you can get a 30-day free trial membership to an Audible Premium Plus membership. That's a $14.95 value, which includes one credit good for any premium selection titles you like, including new releases, and that is yours to keep. But during that 30-day trial, you can also check out the new Audible Plus catalog, which features podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. Listen all you want, no credits needed. You'll also get a friendly email reminder before your trial ends. Right now, I'm listening to John Arezzi talk about his life in pro wrestling with the New York Mets and in the music business. If you've been listening to this show over the years, you know John is a friend of the show and has lived a fascinating life, hosting a wrestling radio show similar to this podcast in the late 80s and early 90s. And he's done wrestling convention promotions and also uh, promoted shows. He's got stories to tell, and boy, does he tell them in his book. And you can get that with your one credit for free right now. Go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Pick any book you want. Pro wrestling, sports, politics, nonfiction, fiction. Learn about World War One. That's a book I'm currently listening to with my Audible membership. It's called The First World War. I know quite a bit about World War II. Uh, far from an expert, but I didn't know a lot about World War One, And I was just talking to some family members recently about how different World War One and Two were because of technology. It was a fascinating discussion, and I was able to participate because I've been listening to The First World War by John Keegan. So, so you're able to be more part of the conversation when topics come up like that with family and friends when you are listening to an audiobook. So uh, go check out membership. It's free. Just try it for 30 days. See what you think. Audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to... 500-500. Uh, let's go to another email on War Games. This is from Chris from Milwaukee. He says, Hi, Greg and Bruce. I've been a big NXT fan since Bo Dallas's title run. I've been to three takeovers, and I think I've watched 95% of NXT TV shows. However, NXT 2.0 really has me reconsidering how much longer I'll be watching. Again, having barely missed any episode of NXT in its original forms, I've missed a few weeks since the new NXT started. I can't be the only fan that feels this way looking at Twitter and the viewing figures. That being said, how important do you think this NXT pay-per-view is next weekend? Given how much equity the TakeOver brand has, if this new era of NXT pay-per-view without the TakeOver branding gets off to a rough start, I really think people may start leaving in droves. What are your thoughts? Um, that's a that's a good question. I mean, this is kind of a holistic look at NXT 2.0, and uh, you know, I, I think it was smart not to brand it Takeover because I think that sets up a certain mm -hmm. expectation, which this one is bound to fall short. You know, that's just it's just the way yeah. this NXT is built. It's not going to live up to the reputation of previous Takeovers. That's not the point of this NXT brand. Uh, so, getting rid of the Takeover branding, I think, was smart. Um, but, I mean, I really don't think this NXT is all that important. Um, it doesn't – I think it, the more important thing is continuing to get over the characters, uh, continuing to expose the audience to a wide range of wrestlers with more perhaps main roster potential because they are selected by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard here in NXT than the previous NXT. As much talent as there was in NXT 1.0 – uh, there just was not a main roster future for a lot of the wrestlers, and even the ones that were selected to the main roster had a lot of bumps in the road, if not failures uh, in that regard. So um, 
I just I don't think this NXT and I'm and I'm saying this with the complete recognition of how uh, bad this is for my business because I'm I want people to watch and I want people to to call in next week at <laughs> Wrestling Night in America and to email me so do watch but as far as importance it I I just don't think in the NXT ecosystem this show is all that important. I'm really glad this email came in because this is a discussion that Tom Stop and I have had for basically since the inception of 2.0. Tom Stop is one of the co-hosts of PWT Talks NXT. This NXT 2.0 is a regression to the mean. This is what NXT was when it transitioned from FCW into NXT. For people that were saying, this is not my NXT, it's obvious when you came in to watch NXT, it's when it started getting good, when it started getting all the rave reviews. But this is a regression to the mean of what NXT once was and truly should have been to begin with, right? It just got really good because Triple H kept finding all the great indie talent, right? Uh, but ostensibly, NXT was always a developmental brand, meaning you're going to see a lot of pickups, for lack of a better term, along the way. It helped a lot more when it was one hour and it was edited than being two hours and live. However, that doesn't still take away from the fact that it's still developmental, right? And so people, I keep trying to remind people about this. You need to recalibrate your expectations and go back to what originally was when NXT first started. And if you weren't there for it, go back and watch the first couple. Or if you're a VIP, go back and listen to the first episode of NXT 8YB because they go into all of the, they go by each episode, right? And there are some massive, massive growing pains, not just in terms of the wrestlers, but production, uh, announcing, uh, commentating, interviewing, etc. This is what to expect from 2.0 forward. And I'm okay with having developmental. I've always been okay with having developmental. For me, part of the journey in wrestling is seeing wrestlers. A lot of the reason why people have attachments to independent wrestlers and want to see them get to a certain place is because they've been there with them throughout the whole journey. They want to see them succeed and get to these, to these great heights. Part, you know, NXT, the original, that's part of the reason I was so attracted to it is because you're getting to see these wrestlers hopefully achieve great hype and you're along the journey with them. To me, the real question will come into who are the first real NXT 2.0 call-ups to run SmackDown and how are they portrayed? Because very few people from NXT before 2.0, when they called up, maintain the same character. You know, Baron Corbin said the same. Kevin Owens stayed the same. Finn Balor stayed the same. Uh, but even then, you know, Bo Dallas, too, they, they eventually had to shift the characters a bit. Uh, like, Bo Baron Corbin is now Happy Corbin, for example, right? Um, and a lot of them actually had to shift their presentation to look at what happened with Karrion Cross and Keith Lee before they were released. So that, to me, is the big question is, what are these calls actually going to look like when they get to Raw SmackDown from this 2.0? And again, people just really need to recalibrate it's not going to be you know 9.0 10.0 shows out of 10.0 it is going to be like five and six out of ten and that's fine in itself you just have to recalibrate your expectations for what to expect of this brand moving forward i think what this brand does though and i think this is important too is it removes the excuses that vince and whomever were using behind the scenes 
um, that, oh, you know, this person isn't ready, developmental isn't doing its job, Triple H isn't giving us wrestlers that we can use on the mm-hmm. main roster, they're too small, they're not, they're not what we're looking for. And that was always the excuse of why wrestlers called up to the main roster were not succeeding. And now with Vince and Bruce Prichard and the main roster people in charge in terms of who's making TV, what the characters are, uh, I think that removes that excuse when they are a call up to the main roster. And now we're really going to see mm-hmm. the truth about, uh, you know, what, you know, what the, the push is going to look like, what the uh, stories are going to be like and things like that. So I, I root for, um, I, I'm rooting for these wrestlers when they do get called up that they have a tremendous amount of success. But I think it's also naive to think that Triple H not giving the main roster the right wrestlers or the right uh, training for them or the right characters was the main problem. I think there's too much evidence that the main roster creative is the problem, and that's not something that's going to be solved by having McMahon and Pritchard more involved in NXT. So that's just kind of... um, uh, a look at NXT 2.0 in, in the future, I think. Um, uh, let's. Uh, if anything, it'll streamline the process. It, yeah, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, there there is value in that, I suppose. Um, let's go to Reverend Keith in Baltimore, Maryland. Reverend Keith, welcome to Wrestling Night in America tonight. Good to hear from you. What's on your mind? Good to hear from you, Greg and Doc Bruce. Man, it's always a pleasure. How you doing? It's always good to hear from the good Reverend. How are you doing, Doc? Or, Doc Reverend. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting all my things mixed up here today. That's okay. It's fine. Keith is fine. Um, but I'm, I'm doing well, and I hope that the two of you had a joyous and prosperous and blessed Thanksgiving and that you didn't eat too much turkey because that trip to fan will put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't have too much turkey, but I had too much other stuff: uh, pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. uh, mac and cheese, uh, sweet potatoes. All the oh my goodness, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Hope uh, hope you had a good one as well, Forever Keith. Yes, I did, and it's a, just a joy to be alive and well, and to, to spend time with family and friends such as you two. You're my friends, and I'm here to talk NXT 2.0. It was an excellent correlation that you made, Doc, when you brought up the main event mafia versus the TNA faction uh, from, uh, from about, what, about 10 years ago, I think. That was a good correlation with this old school, new school. That's good. Listen, I think that, that the War Games matches themselves will be used to highlight the next mm-hmm. challengers for both the NXT men's and women's heavyweight titles. Here's my point. In the old school versus new school, you have champion Tommaso Ciampa, uh, captaining one team versus, uh, uh, Braun Breaker's team. Okay. Now we all know that Breaker will likely receive a rematch. So I think they will use the men's war games match to set up Breaker versus Champa too. So I'm, I'm predicting that Breaker will get, will score the pinfall on Tommaso to set up their, um, impending rematch. Uh, for the next show, and in the women's, I can see um, Kaylee Ray uh, scored a pinfall on Mandy because they're definitely positioning Kaylee Ray 
to be um, in line for a title opportunity. Now, I had mentioned to Kelly Wells and Tom Stout last Tuesday night on PWT Talks NXT that I can see down the road them turning Kaylee Ray, but I think that right now it may be too soon to do that. But give me your thoughts on this first point of mine. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of like the we talked about the Survivor Series elimination matches, Bruce, in terms of you know using that as a springboard for Seth Rollins and Bianca Belair to get title shots. Uh, I think that it's fair to make that assumption for the War Games matches. Um, you know, do, I, I guess the only question is, do you agree with uh, Reverend Keith's um, assumption of or prediction? of who comes out of there. You know, if you've got Champa on uh, one side and he's the champion, you've got Braun Breaker, you've got Carmelo Hayes, you've got Grayson Waller, Tony D'Angelo. Breaker, clearly the star of the team, but I think you could see Carmelo Hayes, maybe even a Grayson Waller getting a, getting a victory and springboarding them into... I, I guess it depends on how quickly they want to go back mm-hmm. to Braun Breaker. You know, do they want to go back right away, keep him in the minds of the fans that this guy is the future star either of NXT or of the main roster, or do you kind of let him breathe a little longer and do a TV match with Ciampa and maybe Hayes or Waller and then go back to Braun Breaker after that? And then for the women, you know, you've got Mandy Rose is the champion on one side. You've got Kaylee Ray. You've got Cora Jade, Io Shirai, and Raquel Gonzalez. I, I mean, Io Shirai is sort of a vestige of a previous generation, I think. Um, I, so I don't know what their plans are for her, but certainly Cora Jade and Ka- Kaylee Ray are are right up there in terms of who you might guess would be getting the next shot. I mean, so I mean, do you think it's Kaylee Ray and Braun Breaker like uh, Reverend Keith predicted, or do you see someone else who could use that victory as a springboard to a title match soon? It was Zoe Stark had torn her ACL. I think she would have been a lock to score the pinfall in this okay, match. Okay, I got you. Uh, Why even but, open the window, man? Just in case. Right. <laughs> uh, to me, it really should. She's not okay. It, this can't happen because she's on their team. It should have been Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai is someone who should have been one of the champions long before and should still be champion sometime. Um, but when we look at the other side, while Io Shirai to me um, would be a good call because she brings that stability you know she can bring to not just uh, the main event level, not just the women's matches, but to the brand overall. Uh, moving forward, that, that would be a good call, right? You, you talk about people, um, the, the viewership's dropping, people are talking about maybe turning the brand off completely. Putting someone like Io Shirai as champion in there, I think would give a signal to them that, okay, there's at least something there that I can still hold my, my hat on and say, all right, I can still, you know, follow along with this because I can, I can see um, the previous part of that there. But I love Kaylee Ray. <laughs> and she's the one who's been getting a lot of the attention on NXT with these, uh, with basically toxic attraction. So I think all the signals do point to Kaylee Ray as Keith was saying. So to me, that works fine. In the men's match, um, I think what I would rather see with Braun Breaker is more of, you know, Damian Priest has been on this long, basically 10-month bill. I'd say take that and put it into a three-month bill for Breaker and then have him challenge maybe WrestleMania weekend if they have an event for NXT um, and, and do that there. Because I still think 
I mean, he has all the tools and all the making. A little more refinement before he finally reaches that level to me would never hurt. Carmelo Hayes is a little more, um, I think, refined. The issue, though, with him pinning is that you would have a champion versus champion matchup. And we have seen that way too much, not just in WWE, but NXT uh, since the pandemic started. And I don't think that's another, I don't think that's another card you want to play. So, um, and if Tony D'Angelo won, we would never hear the end of it. But I don't think we want him to win either. So, <laughs> I, I think Breaker is the safe call here, though. I would maybe, you know, do the wild card and have Waller go over it, or just, hell, have the old school go over it and just really make the new school really, really work to build themselves back up. And again, that could be a signal to fans who might be thinking about turning the brand off that these four people are still here and they're going to help. And maybe with Eosha Rai too, they're going to help usher in the future, but they're going to be the stabilizer. It's, it's up in the air, but I think what Keith said is the most uh, probable outcomes. Check out our new 2021 PW Torch VIP podcast lineup, including Everything with Rich Fan, hosted by Wade Keller, where on weekends we get together and talk about everything. And that includes our popular Off the Beaten Path segment, where either Rich or I present each other with something to watch that's Off the Beaten Path, and we dissect and analyze and react to it. Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's nostalgic, sometimes it's therapeutic, and sometimes it's just plucking something from the past that would work today that's not being done. But we talk about uh, WWE, NXT, AEW, all the current events in professional wrestling also. It's a different format and a fresh podcast dynamic with Rich and me. Every weekend, everything with Rich Fan is part of the new PW Torch VIP podcast lineup for 2021. Yeah, what's interesting is... You know, NXT swung so far in, a, in another direction, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. inarguably cost them viewers. Do they try with this pay-per-view to swing it a little the other way and say, oh, maybe we overcompensated to start. Maybe we need to get some of those viewers back just to, you know, pop our ratings up a little bit. Uh, so we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. how confident they are in the current direction with the ratings the way they are based on the results of this pay-per-view. Sure. Uh, Reverend Keith, uh, back to you for your second question or comment for us tonight. I do agree with your assessment, Greg, that the brass in NXT, whether it's Pritchard, uh, Vincent Kennedy, McMahon himself, as well as others, they need to take a strong, long look at the product because they are throwing people together and there's too many moving parts. And, I mean, my goodness, in a two-hour show, you have enough for, like, uh, four episodes of Rampage. If if this was, like, uh, AEW, it's just too many moving parts. And sometimes it's hard to keep up with because with the six uh, promo segments, the two vignettes, and the seven matches that they average each Tuesday night, it's just a lot. I mean, uh, so I think they need to take a long look, especially with the declining ratings right now and all of the uh, edginess as far as the, 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 the sexy nature of it and the cursing. That's not getting them uh, anywhere either. So they need to take a long look at the product. Now, moving forward, and then I'm going to step aside and let other callers jump in. Uh, the tag team scene, 
I, I really like it. I really like it. You, I'm, I'm a little disappointed with the grizzled young veterans, though, because it seems like they're being used more as uh, uh, glorified enhancement talent. Um, but they have so much more to offer. And, and to be honest with you, if they're going to use them in that manner, I wish they would just call them up to the main because they could use a bona fide tag team with their charisma on SmackDown or Raw, either way. But I think that the way they're setting up this uh, tag title match for uh, War Games I, and the, the uh, uh, impending number one contenders match, I think we're going to end up with a three-way. I don't think that that match uh, between uh, Kyle and Vaughn versus uh, Legato will end decisively, and I think it'll make for a great uh, three-way tag title match at uh, War Games. What is your assessment of that? That's certainly the way things uh, seem to be developing. Uh, and I think the disappointing part and uh, when we're talking about these tag teams in NXT is that there's just so much, so little upside, you know, in, in the WWE ecosystem, <laughs> in the main roster for these tag mm-hmm. teams. And so when you talk about NXT being true developmental um, and, and really taking on the the qualities that Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard want NXT to take on. And then you look at the tag teams and you're like, you know, it's developmental for tag teams too, but what success rate is there on the main roster? You know, what, what place do they have when there are so few tag teams? And and a lot of the ones that are successful, like um, Randy Orton and Riddle, AJ Styles and Omos are, you know, two singles wrestlers being put together. Yeah. Um, You know, you have the Street Profits and you have the Usos, and they have their place, but they're not, you know, the Usos are are in a strong position because of their association with the Roman Reigns. If they were not that, they would be just another tag Mm -hmm. team. Um, And the Street Profits are where they are because, basically, the Usos need need opponents, and so they are risen up the card uh, based on their, their feud with uh, the Usos over on SmackDown um, before they switch. So, you know, I, it's it's kind of sad to look at developmental for tag teams, and it's like, you know, there's there's not a lot of upside in the division itself on the main roster, and I think that's kind of how I see it, uh, Bruce. Well, and even if you look at most of the tag teams that are organic on the main roster, and they're familial, whether it's the Usos, whether it's uh, the Mysterios, right? And it's, you know, those those teams that do tend to have tenure are, are that because of familiar relations. You, it's rare to have the New Day or the Street Profits, like you said. You're more likely to have uh, the Dirty Dogs and Rudy Ziggler being thrown together, or Styles and Omos being thrown together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or RK Bro or any other number of tag teams that really, because of how you, like you said, how tag team wrestling is done in WWE, you can throw any two people as a team together and it's just got to be fine because that's just how it works in WWE. And, and it, you know, we're talking about NXT and WWE here, but it's really hard not to compare the tag teams to AEW because they have placed an emphasis not just on tag team wrestling, but developing tag teams, storylines within tag teams, storylines about the tag team division, great matches and storylines within the matches. And they've shown that there is a way, a proven way, to not just have tag team wrestling featured, but prominently and done well. And they only have two hours a week. 
WWE has the five hours of Raw and SmackDown and the two hours of NXT plus main event. There's plenty of time to put in these tag teams. So as you said, it's really hard. And and Keith brought up uh, Grizzly Those Veterans, but there's MSK too. Very curious case because they're just basically doing. Um, uh, wow, can't forgot the the Why can't I think of the Tabuli? So basically, what happened, right? It's a um, in the room going on. Bruce, and, you, your connection's it, really going in and out. I can barely hear you. Sorry, just break it up there, Greg. Yeah, if you can hear me, if you can hear me, you're you're really breaking up. I guess I'm breaking up too, so it might be a connection on on uh, Bruce's end. So we'll get that squared away. Reverend Keith, uh, I apologize for taking your your topic of interest, the tag teams in NXT, and uh, uh, pouring cold water on it. Uh, but I appreciate your phone call and and look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you so much for taking my call. And, uh, have a good. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game show to discuss next Sunday. All right. Thank you, uh, Reverend Keith. All right. Let's try, uh, let's try Bruce again. Uh, I had trouble hearing Reverend Keith, so maybe a connection on my end. I don't know. Uh, Bruce, how, how can you hear me? I hear you better now. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're, you're still cutting out on me. Um, let me know if I uh, am I still sounding okay. No, you're sounding okay. Am I sounding better now? Oh, now you're sounding much better. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I took out my headphones. Oh, uh, okay. The the perils of of live broadcasting over the internet. <laughs> you just never know what you're gonna get. So, um, I, did you want to finish that point you were making? I know you, you're talking about MSK. I kind of lost you in that conversation. Sure. It's just. Uh, it's a very serious case because, you know, GYD is out there basically enhancing other people, but then MSK is out there doing skits basically about being high. And so I, they have a lot of talent, and I know there was issues with the fans and CBN at first, largely due to certain individuals, but um, I think that's past now, and it's just interesting to me that there's, they're not, they haven't really been featured yet or prominently recently in the ring, and it's mostly just been vignettes. And I think that's another a team that, you know, I think their charisma and whatnot, I think Vince and Pritchard could probably look at that and say, we could do something with them on the main roster, but I'm not sure if if that's necessarily a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, let, let's uh, talk about this NXT card a little further. We have... Uh, an email from uh, Brian. He says, Happy Thanksgiving night. Obviously, this was sent on Thursday. So, did you catch the comment Vic Joseph made as NXT was going off the air this week? Basically, the war games will be old blood versus new blood. That was one of the scenarios I proposed a few weeks back in a previous question. Do you think this will be just for war games, or will this be an ongoing storyline in 2022? Have a great week. Uh, yes, I did notice that, Brian. We, we talked about that here on this show. Um, but the the question is a good one. Is this just for war games, or is this a storyline now that sort of propels the NXT brand into the new year? 
if you go with the assumption that NXT may want to try to win back some older viewers by pushing some of the wrestlers that have been pushed aside, I think you want to continue that. You want to spotlight the Champas, the Garganos, the the Io Shirai's, um, those of a previous generation, while also pushing the new school folks, the Braun Breakers, the the Gigi Dolans, the uh, etc. JC Janes. Um, but I don't know if that's WWE's philosophy on how they want NXT. So uh, just a straight-up question, I guess, for you, Bruce, is is this uh, old school versus new school? And maybe we, we get more insight on Tuesday night based on how they mm-hmm. continue to build this war game show because we, we do have one episode of TV between now and then. But um, is your expectation that this is just a short-term thing to get us through war games, or do you see this as something that it has long-term implications? I don't see how it. I don't see how it cannot have long-term implications, and that's because even before they made it explicitly old school versus new school, Champa Breaker and Gargano Hayes were essentially about you know get off my lawn or you know I'm the king of the jungle around here kind of thing. And so, to me, um, even if you just take out new school and old school uh, from this match context the feuds between those four are still probably going to continue on into the new year. And if they don't, I think it's very short-sighted. I think you can't just have a two-week build to this, have it blow off in one match, and then not return to it. I think it's going to be an ongoing issue, particularly because, uh, like you said, they made a hard shift. People like soft launches, not hard launches. And so by them making that hard shift, it, it still created a an amalgam of wrestlers from both generations of NXT here, and at least of most recent generation and then the current generation of NXT. And because of that mixing, you can't avoid, even if it's not in storyline, you can't avoid the the feeling, the notion that fans are going to have that, oh, this is someone from the old NXT, oh, this is someone from the new NXT. That's inherently going to be there to me. So at least for the next probably six months, if not the next year, depending on how, you know, another round of releases or more rounds of releases, who they sign, who they push. I I think I want to put faith, and I know that's a big ask with WWE, but I want to put faith in that they can see this forward and maintain it because, you know, main event mafia, TNA, original, I brought that up originally. That was a prolonged feud they can still do this um and not necessarily just make it about these eight wrestlers who are involved in the men's match and the eight wrestlers involved in the women's match but about the entire roster to a certain extent um it's going to take a lot of of subtle and direct storytelling but it's possible um and again i think in the long run this is the best way to at least maintain a strong showing on Tuesday nights for your viewership, for your ratings, that you can then show that to your investors and say, hey, look, at least it's working, right? At least something, at least it's holding. Um, And we're now, we're not, we're not hemorrhaging viewers. We're not hemorrhaging all these things. We're, we're working. I think, as you said, it's probably the best way to at least keep people around. 
We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry-level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. I really like the point you brought up there that, you know, you can't do Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker on either side of an old school versus new school battle. And then after it, have them feud and not still have those feelings mm-hmm. uh, being addressed. So, yeah, I totally agree with that point. Um, as we said earlier, the the women's war game, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade and Kaylee Ray versus... Uh, Mandy Rose, Dakota Kai, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane in a War Games match. Um, what's been your take on Toxic Attraction and the push they've received? Because you know we've seen in ads for NXT uh-huh. that have aired on Raw and SmackDown, they are the stars of the show that WWE is pushing. Uh, do you think that's been effective? Do you think that is a good decision on WWE's part to push the sexuality of these women uh, in in Toxic Attraction as one of the main attractions of NXT. To push the sexuality, not so much because I mean we saw by the fact that they pulled those ads pretty much the next week that you know people weren't responding well to them, and uh, we are well past the time where this isn't to say that women can't flaunt and you know, show their bodies and be sex positive. That's great. Do all that. When you're a professional sporting organization, though, your first thing that you show and highlight about your women's wrestlers shouldn't be about their, their looks. Though. It should be about their skills, what they do, just like with the men. And so, I, you know, the pushback there was warranted. And, uh, you know, their name also, the, the stable name also, you know, suggests a certain kind of, of um you know, male gaze, and again, that's, it's understandable, it's fine. Uh, I will say, Mandy Rose has surprised me, uh, not just with her tan, but with her performance as women's champion, not in the ring, necessarily, but um, I think as a character and on the mic, she's really shown, um, she was very kind of stale when I when she was on Raw and SmackDown to me. Outside of that Otis storyline, everything just seemed to be bland. And here, with NXT 2.0, maybe because she's champion, maybe because she has a stable with her, but there just seems to be a, a more defined character with Mandy Rose. And yes, some of that's a sexuality, but some of that also is just this, uh, I guess, abrasive cockiness that also has to do with her beauty. And that fits with what they're doing with, you know, the group and with her as champion. Uh, I think if they do have Kaylee Ray make the pin here she should become the next champion but um 
you know, Mandy Rose hasn't done a good job. That's not in the ring. So it's if she can continue to improve more in the ring, I can see them keeping her as champion for a bit, or you know, coming back to her as champion. Um, so my my biggest concern about this match though is with all these women involved in war games, especially with Do- Dolan and Jane. You know, Dakota Kai, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, they've been in the War Games match before. They're fine. Io Shirai, one of the, the most memorable moments, jumping off the top of the cage with a trash can around her and onto people, right? So they're fine. But I'm a little concerned about the other ones. Raquel Gonzalez has definitely improved a lot in the ring, but I, I mean, you, you can still see some of the, the the work that needs to be done when she's, when she's working as well. So this, again, along with the men's war games match, there's just a lot of a, a probability here to me that something could go wrong. And I just don't want anything to go wrong in these matches for any of them. Yeah. I want their careers to be just fine and they could <laughs> go Tuesday and, and go from there. Absolutely. Um, I think that's one thing we can agree on, no matter, you know, we can talk a lot about winners and losers and everything like that, but, uh, and this goes for, for any match of this, you know, we, we kind of point this out tonight because of, um, you know, some of the experience that women in this match have, but we've seen where mm-hmm. uh, very experienced wrestlers have, have come out of this match uh, in pain. So, um, you know, it's not just, yep. not just the inexperienced for sure. Um, Cameron Grimes, Duke Hudson, hair versus hair. Uh, this has been all about, Cameron Grimes outsmarting the supposed poker uh, ace in uh, Duke Hudson. I, I don't think they, I mean, it, it would have been nice for Duke Hudson to get over on a few people first before Cameron Grimes exposed him, you know? <laughs> um, but here we are with, with Duke Hudson um, and, and Grimes and, and the hair. Uh, how how do you think this, because I know, you know, Grimes, his uh, feud, uh, feud with uh, L.A. Knight, his association with Ted DiBiase, I thought that was a real strong suit from week to week in terms of storytelling uh, on NXT. And, and so he came out of that a lot stronger, I think, than what he was going in. Do you think that this has been a good follow-up to that? Um, well, yes and no. There's good <laughs> and bad things about this. Uh, to your point about Duke Hudson, I was just just disappointed they never brought in Phil Ivey or you know Negrano anybody to to really get some poker expertise <laughs> in there and whatnot from my World Series of Poker watching days of you know what ten fifteen years ago. Um, I think that is you know Grimes is probably going to win because his hair is. That, it makes it hard, too, because it's kind of such a part of him that you think that maybe they'll do it just to just to do it, right? Because Vince is notorious for doing that, too. But I don't think this feud and the trajectories of each have been set up for Hudson to win this. I think it's been set up for Cameron Grimes to keep going on this upward trajectory. And, you know, maybe he doesn't become NXT champion, but he keeps winning. He keeps making money and all, all this stuff. I think it's set up for Grimes to win. And... I think Hudson will be fine getting his haircut. Um, and, and, again, I don't think... Grimes has lost too many big matches in his NXT career when everyone thought he's going to get to the next level. And I, I don't think you want to have him lose here again. The only poker I ever watched on TV, I watched Celebrity Poker Showdown on, uh, on Bravo every once in a while. Um, that's my... 
poker watching experience. And uh, and when I'd watch like Marlins games and fall asleep, and then I'd wake up and the game was over, and like poker was on the local Fox Sports affiliate. I guess those are those are really the only times that poker was ever on my TV. I, I enjoy playing it every once in a while, um, but to watch yeah, it on TV, yeah. it's kind of like golf. I like playing it, but I don't think I'd ever really sit down and and watch it. Although. I could probably learn a thing or two for when I do play, but I just uh, it's not on my not on my TV viewing radar. Um, so we, we've got, uh, as uh, Reverend Keith mentioned, NXT tag teams. It's Imperium versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner, with the potential to add more teams coming up uh, on Tuesday night. So this is sort of a, a match that's in flux. But the, the Von Wagner Kyle O'Reilly relationship. I thought they did a really, it was cheesy and it was hokey and it was silly, but, you know, having O'Reilly and Von Wagner do the vignette where they're out in the woods and sort of, you know, trying to buddy up to each other, trying to learn about each other. I thought that was really cute. And I thought that was at least an attempt to not only get over, you know, their relationship together, but also their individual characters that, that can help people relate Mm -hmm. to them. And then that was kind of a one-off. They didn't really follow it up with anything. So, um, I was disappointed in that, but but what do you think of this O'Reilly Von Wagner tandem here? Well, and it, well, all, it was good too because it was relatable. As a fine millennial myself, I know just how difficult it is for us as adults to try and make friends and how awkward it can be. Yes. So <laughs> you know, it's 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 very so so to, you know as someone my age watching that, it's very relatable to like oh I know what that's like you know when you when you're uh, taken to your partner's friend's party and you don't know anyone, you're trying to talk to someone and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. so it's just, so, so that part's nice. I do think that what happens between these two in this match signals to us whether Kyle O'Reilly resigns or not. Then again, they might give it a, one, a quick uh, championship run and then have him lose on an episode of NXT, lose half title right back to somebody, and then um, he might not resign. Because his contract is up very soon. And... Uh, some people thought putting him with Wagner was a sign of them trying to um, kind of weaken his character on the way out. But as you said, it's, it's, it's worked. They've made it work. And, you know, as much as cool Kyle O'Reilly didn't work, this tandem is actually working. And it just, I think, goes to the point that Kyle O'Reilly was a tremendous singles wrestler in ROH, too. But I think he shines as a tag team wrestler. Like, the Young Bucks don't want to do singles because they shine together as a tag team more. And I think there are certain wrestlers and people and characters where being a tag team is perfectly fine. And um, for me, Kyle O'Reilly, I think, might be better off as a strictly tag team wrestler. And uh, I, I like all three teams involved here. To me, the, the sad part is whenever Imperium is champion, I always feel like they always get short-ended on the booking, and it's just they're kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. And then LDF has been great since they formed, um, really revitalized the careers of Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza. But I do think that the call here should be for O'Reilly and Wagner to go over. I think they have the fan support. I think those vignettes have helped. And I, you know, just the reliability. I think, I think it's the time. Okay. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. 
Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, I, I I'm not as I don't think I'm as bullish on O'Reilly and Wagner as a team as you are. As much as I like those that vignette, um, I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done to make them really seem like I mean it, it reminds me of Ted DiBiase Jr. and Maurice when they were an on-screen couple and there was just no chemistry <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure I buy fully the chemistry yet and it may take some time uh, between um, no. O'Reilly and, and Wagner here our next match is the cruiserweight title Roderick Strong part of Diamond Mine taking on Joe Gacy uh, no Joe Gacy is not a cruiserweight but that doesn't seem to bother anyone who's uh, you know, in charge of making matches so I guess it shouldn't bother us so um you know, this was set up sort of almost randomly on, on TV recently. Um, you know, Strong is going to have Diamond Mind at his back. Uh, Joe Gacy is going to have Harland at his back. Uh, I guess who, whoever interferes first gets the victory uh, for his, for his uh, uh, the, the person that he's um, representing here. But uh, just uh, there's a lot of moving parts with Gacy and with Diamond Mind and with Harland and with Strong. And... You know, Joe Gacy is not being portrayed as a babyface, uh, as much as you know the character kind of comes off as one sometimes, or as, as an insincere babyface. Um, and Roderick Strong and Diamond Mine, I don't think are, are babyfaces. So uh-huh. I'm not sure who uh-huh. I'm supposed to root for here. Uh, maybe this is made clear Tuesday night on on TV. I think, obviously, if Malcolm Bivens is involved, you gotta cheer for him. Well, Malcolm yes, is involved I, that, that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anything that keeps him on TV and a mic in his hand, I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think Roderick Strong's style can lean more babyface, even with all the backbreakers, because um, not just of uh, you know his reputation um, and his respect uh, with the fans, but he puts a certain flair and kind of a whip on of his on his moves that just adds an extra oomph to it that um, is more akin to kind of the speed of sort of baby face high flyers, in my opinion. Um, but when he puts a snap on his suplexes or his backbreakers, it's just something extra that you don't necessarily see with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think he can lean more baby face in this. And uh, they could have Gacy do the old school heel tactic of just working a body part, wearing him down, and then have a comeback. And just for that match alone, Roderick Strong could act as a baby face. Um, but and to me, Malcolm Bivens is always a babyface, so there's that. But in in kayfabe, I understand that not you know neither of these acts, um, Diamond as a whole and then Joe Gacy on the other side, are full fledged babyfaces. This is a uh, an issue all across WWE. Their lack of full fledged babyfaces, um, but at least they have a someone in there, Roderick Strong, who can put on fantastic matches, can can lead Joe Gacy, can do the comeback can can take effective bumps and really look like he's getting his bucket. So um, it should be a good match. Uh, I think Strong should go over. Um, I don't see any reason why Gacy should go over here. Um, and again, anything to put Bivens on TV over and over again, I'm all for. 
And then we've got our main, uh, main event, presumably the main event, uh, Ciampa, Gargano, Dunn, and L.A. Knight against Braun Breaker, Hayes, Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. Uh, a couple guys feel out of place here, and that would be L.A. Knight on the old school team, since he's, uh, you know, he's been around, I guess, NXT for a little while now, but I, he's never been uh, in a hugely prominent position such that uh, Ciampa, Gargano, and Dunn have been, so he kind of feels a little out of place on that team. And then Tony D'Angelo on the other side, you know, Hayes and, and Waller and Breaker have rubbed elbows with some of the top guys uh, in NXT, but Tony D'Angelo has not, and it, it does feel like that's just a character, much like Joe Gacy, that, that creative or that um, the higher-ups like, so they're going to be pushed. Um, but, you know, how, how do they fit in, like, the the, the L.A. Knights and, and the Tony D'Angelo's where, yeah, I guess technically they're part of the old school versus new school rivalry, but they just don't feel like uh, they're true parts of it. Not that this is how it should have came about, but I think they fit in that they're going to pair off with each other after War Games in a few. Mm. Um, and I know it's going to be weird, or maybe not, maybe not even in a few, maybe as a team. I, I know it's a little weird because, they're ostensibly both heels in their mannerisms. Um, though I think each could also lean heel in how they do things, right? It really just comes off on of, um, presentation. And both of them, you know, LA Knight more so has more talent on the mic, I think, than D'Angelo. But uh, their presentation can be tweaked either way. And so I- I'm actually surprised they haven't gone toe-to-toe on the mic yet because I think that might be an actual interesting segment between those two because um, especially with Knight, uh, you're not always sure what's a work and what's a shoot. And um, I think because of the whole East Coast, West Coast dynamic with these two, you know, D'Angelo ostensibly representing uh, New York Italian mob bosses, basically, and L.A. Knight being the Hollywood pretty boy, glitz and glamour, all that, it could make for an interesting dynamic, either as a feud or as a team. So I think that's how they fit in here, is, is they're somehow going to pair off after war games. Again, this isn't how it, um, it should have happened, um, but since it is happening, I think it makes the most sense that these two would have some kind of you know feud or angle or something after war games. Mm-hmm. Well, again, uh, war games next Sunday night. Don't forget to tune in after the show for our... Um recap here on wrestling night in america and we'd love to hear from you either by call or by email uh speaking of calls though we'll go to our last phone call of the evening is the 305 area code is dj from miami he's been patiently waiting uh dj welcome to wrestling night in america what's on your mind tonight hey guys i got a couple questions about uh, eaw okay um okay Okay, let me start this. Uh, the Punk and MJF thing is good. I don't want that to blow over so fast. Want and done, boom. I do you or the Brian thing? Like, I feel like. Do you guys feel like if these guys get the belt, it's over, or do you think it's better than waiting? and let these guys simmer in for about six months or a year and then let MJF get the belt and then work, you know, punk up or Brian, you know, cause Brian turned. So it's like, I don't know. If they, I, I don't want them to overshoot it so fast. You know, like I want this to, you know, like Brian's doing great. You know, punk is winning, but somebody has to lose sooner or later. But I feel like, I hope they go with MJF 
gets the bell and then Punk goes back and wrestles him again? Or I don't know. Like, do you feel like something like that will ruin them if they get the belt first or one of them or yeah, one I, of them loses first and they kind of like lose like the traction or you understand what I'm saying? I think MJF getting the, the belt and I assume by that you're talking about the AEW world title. I think that's way down the line. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, if, if uh-huh. Punk, even if Punk beats MJF here with this, whenever they fight, and I don't know when they're going to, to wrestle, but if Punk beats him here and then a year and a half, two years from now, uh, MJF wins the title, um, I think you could revisit Punk MJF and no one's going to really hold this loss to Punk against him. Or you could do, you know, MJF beats Punk, goes on to win the title a year and a half from now. Punk challenges him, being 0-1 against MJF, you know, and, and then going into that, having that on his record. So, and really, uh, MJF being his first loss in AEW. So, you know, Brian Danielson, w- with him, um, it's a little different because he's in a little more prominent position a little sooner than Punk was when he debuted, but... It's not as slow of a burn for Brian Danielson as Punk, but I think it's the right time. You know, I don't think you can let you know, all the guys like Danielson and, and Cole and Punk. I don't think you can all let them all kind of work their way up from the undercard. I think there's value in shooting one or two of them into the main events relatively quickly. And they they held off on Danielson for a little while. I mean, he did fight Kenny Omega on the Arthur Ashe show, but um, you know, here against uh, against Adam Cole, I think is the right call. I think they've handled. All of them, they're all different, all different situations, all different wrestlers. But I think Tony Khan and, and the rest of the um, creative staff has handled them all very well so far. Uh, Bruce, what's your take on that? The other point that we need to remember here is they've had four world champions in two years. And it's not a guarantee that either or of any of these three are going to be world champion. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm honestly okay with that. I don't think any of the three necessarily need to be world champion anytime soon. If we go back to my scenario about MJF and CM Punk earlier, uh, CM Punk could come back to this because he would have lost by nefarious means. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason to try to rekindle the feud later on if one or two of them are the champion. You know, if Punk's champion, he could, and MJF, Challenges him to say, yeah, you beat me by using your diamond ring. You can't beat me in a straight-up match. Yet. So it's all planted there if it does indeed happen that way. Again, with Danielson, it's, I don't know if he needs to be champion. I don't know if Cole needs to be champion. Um, to me, their value is more in having those great matches and elevating others, which, yes, can happen as champion. But for one, I don't think Adam Page should lose his title so soon. Mm-hmm. And then, two, it's... The, I think that... If you look at who's the world champion, you had Jericho and then Moxie, kind of the anchor in this era, kind of anchor in AEW, and to, to stabilize them, as I was talking about earlier with NXT. Then you had Kenny Omega and Adam Page, two people who, while Kenny Omega has a new Japan association, they are now firmly associated with AEW. Jericho and Moxie still have those WWE ties. I think you want to maintain having that world champion be with people that basically have become known or are tied specifically to AEW. Mm-hmm. The thing with Punk, Danielson, and Cole is no matter what, they're still going to have that WWE association with them. So to me, I would, I don't, I, 
the more I think about it, I don't think any of them should be champion in the next year, um, honestly. Uh, and it's fine if they're TNT champion, tag team champion. World champion, though, I, I just I just don't see. I think it needs to be reserved and held more special than uh, in kayfabe. But I still think it, it needs to be reserved for, you know, maybe the four pillars are the next ones or someone in between the four pillars and, and Adam Page that can really maintain it as it's about AEW. Mm-hmm. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! Um, DJ, uh, your second question for us tonight. Well, let me jump in. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I would like for MJF to go against Adam Page and get the belt later on or something compared to, like, Punk or, or you know, yeah. Brian. You know what I'm saying? So I'd like to see them progress going in a little more compared to, like, five months later, three months later, boom, champion. That's all. So, right. uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, what, AEW, is, um, that's what AEW yeah. booking has shown um, so far. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's hopefully we'll keep it up like that. Yep. My next thing is um the promos. It was such a great promo, so refreshing. I I don't know what WWE is doing. I mean, like these guys, these guys, uh, EAW needs to learn from these two guys with these promos, and you know WWE needs to really sit back and figure out what the heck they're doing because Roman. He did a decent promo, but it was nothing like what these guys are saying because you know they have Paul Heyman against you know and and uh, and Roman, and then they have like somebody like Brock who can't barely talk. Like, come on, you know, like this deal that was so great in promos. Do you feel like they're gonna step it up to WWE, or what do you feel like they're gonna do in promos? Because that was really good with MJ. I was very impressed. You know, yeah. And do you it, think they're gonna fire back? Or do you think they don't care? No, I, I don't think they care. Um, in fact, I think that yeah. you know WWE would say, "Well, AEW is professional wrestling. That's how they do it. We are sports entertainment. We do things differently." Um, and I think that's their that's their excuse for why they do things the way they do. Is they're they're not even the same business as AEW in their minds. Um, and whether that's to kind of excuse certain things or not, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, that's, that's to me, and it's just going to be like that. You know, that's how WWE is built. That's how they're structured right now. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So as much as you'd like to think, Bruce, that 
anything that AEW does really well will and WWE doesn't do very well will light a fire under WWE. I just don't th- I think you know in an in a previous era where WWE was living and dying um you know by by the ratings and they didn't have a billion dollar TV deal to sort of cushion their landing i think yeah they they may have been more reactive but you know wwe is this is this gigantic creature right now that just rakes in money and i I don't see i i see that being used as an excuse not to change anything and we also have to remember that wwe markets to families and younger children much more than AEW does AEW is just you know pretty much firmly entrenched to the young kind of like 18 to 49 specifically that that demographic more more so like 1834 and that's fine too but because of that the promos and the presentation have to be different you can't have what mjf and cm punk said on on wednesday night on raw smackdown you have to tweak it a lot because um you know the amount of children and families that are watching it's just it, it may cross the line for a lot of them right and yes, you can you can pull stuff from there, but you also have to remember that it has to be tweaked a bit because of the audiences that they're serving, and they are they are different audiences. Although there is a large overlap, um, but if you're WWE, you can't risk turning off the larger segment of your popu- of your viewing audience, which we've seen is at least double of what um, for SmackDown at least at least double of what Dynamite draws on a seven day, um, and SmackDown Live. The, you risk turning off more of the viewing population than retaining just those hardcore ones who like that kind of stuff. So um, I do understand your point, DJ, but again, it, it, it's a different kind of presentation. Um, they're both sports entertainment, but a different type of way. Um, you know, MLW is not going to work for, for, for Raw, but parts of AEW will. It's just, it, it's just a different presentation, basically. And DJ, your final question for us tonight. Yeah, my final thing is with Roman. It's like they keep on going back to the well of Brock. After Brock, what Brock's not going to win and lose again. It's just like who's going to be next? Like they really, I don't feel like Seth should be next right now because of what happened to him, and he's saying weird things. Like I feel like he's more like I don't know. Like they need to put somebody else there. And they can't keep on going to Brock. Well, who do you think is going to ever going to step up there, you know, uh, to this compared to like keep on going back to the well with Roman or or Seth? I mean, I don't. I well, don't know. they're they're and on different they're on different brands now, DJ. So they're not going to be um, they're not going to be interacting anytime soon. Oh no, but I'm just making an example though. I'm just making an example. Like like who do you really think is going to step up cuz like Rollins like was the next one up like who do you think is really going to step up their game and go against Roman after the Brock and you know yeah i think that's Steve. the that's the risk Bruce when you build up someone like a Roman Reigns that all of a sudden all the baby faces just seem inferior by comparison no matter how well you book them uh-huh. And we know WWE is already starting from you know behind the blocks because they're not booking baby faces good to begin with. Um, so, you know, uh-huh. do you see anyone that stands out to you right now that they can get? You know, it, and I don't know what the plans are for WrestleMania. I don't know if it's Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns again with with The Rock seemingly out of the picture for WrestleMania. I don't know if they do Brock versus Roman at the Royal Rumble, but 
you know, um, there's just not historically a, a lot of wrestlers that can be seen in the same um, in the same breath or being said in the same breath as Roman Reigns. I, you know, I'm looking at the roster right now, uh, pulling it up here, and, you know, uh, Cesaro, maybe? They've already done that. Drew McIntyre is the obvious one. Uh, Jeff Hardy, they seem to maybe be uh-huh. building. He's gotten some good pops. They may try to get another main event run out of him for a short time. Um, but certainly nothing that's going to, you know, Sheamus, they could turn babyface and do something with Reigns. So there are some short-term possibilities, but long-term you know, I just don't see anyone who's going to unseat Roman Reigns anytime soon. I can't believe you forgot Jinder Mahal, Greg. I just oh no, I, I did not forget Jinder Mahal. No, no, I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, McIntyre is obvious. I think what happened last year at Survivor Series was really a hindrance to McIntyre. Before he won Money in the Bank, everyone had pegged Big E to be that person. Then he won Money in the Bank, and then he switched it to Rock. So that went out the window. I mean, you can go back to Cesaro, et cetera. I think looking long-term, uh, this might rankle uh, your feathers a bit, but it might be Ridge Holland. <laughs> and I know he's not ready. Um, but obviously he's someone that they pegged because he was barely in NXT, tore, you know, blew out his leg when he caught someone on a, on a tope, and then was pretty much was brought back right into SmackDown. And, you know, if he comes along at a reasonable pace, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Ridge Holland go over Roman Reigns in this straight, like, power moves match. Big man versus big man. Um, Rick Boogs is there, but I don't think he's ever going to be built up enough as a serious threat. Um, you know, the dream match would be, like, New Japan Nakamura, if he can handle that against Reigns, but that's not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, long run, if they don't go to McIntyre, they don't go back to the New Day, um, it might be interesting to see if they actually have Woods or, or Kingston you know, beat him, but it might be the tone in the future. Wow. But, but, you know, for me, I've, I've said to Wade, and I've tried to, and I've said over you know, before, I still think the money match and the money feud and the person who should take off of him is Jey Uso. Um, how they get there, for me, it's if you don't have anyone pegged to win the Rumble, you have Jay Uso win, Roman trying and manipulate him to challenge, you know, Big E, but Jay just bring everything back from the last two years and put it in Roman's face, challenge him at WrestleMania, win, get that moment. I still think that's the best, that, that should be um, the path they take, but that's not going to happen. I just, that's my fantasy booking. I'm going to do that in WWE 2K22 when it comes out, basically. <laughs> so, uh, it's pro- if it's not McIntyre, it's probably Holland. I would go for Jay Uso if I if Vince came to me and said you have the you have the the authority. You decide who's going to be. I would say Jay Uso. Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. I think that's something that's you know we, we've sort of forgotten that era where Roman was sort of bullying the Usos and especially Jay, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy came back to be mm-hmm. at his side, and and Jimmy didn't trust Roman and all that kind of stuff, and. That's sort of gone by the wayside, so that's that could be brought up again, certainly to extend this story, I think. Um, so that's, uh, that would really interest me. Uh, DJ, thank you for the phone call tonight. Uh, look forward to hearing from I, you again soon. I got one thing. Please, oh, okay. I got one quick thing. Please don't be almost in, in, in uh, the Royal Rumble because oh, oh. I don't want to see that. Uh, and, well, and we just are... because the Undertaker's high on him. 
He's not ready. Yeah, we, we already saw him win the Battle Royal at uh, Survivor Series. I'm not sure what that gets you, um, but hopefully that was enough for WWE. And they said, well, we, we won one Battle Royal. We don't need to have him win another. So that's, that's my hope anyway. Um, thank you, DJ, for the phone call. And uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Bruce Hazelwood, uh, PWTorch.com contributor, for joining me tonight. Uh, Bruce, before I let you go, uh, go ahead and plug what you do for the Torch and when people can find your work. Sure. So for the torch, I cover Raw on Monday nights alongside Wade. I do the all perspective report, so you can find my report there tomorrow night uh, live when Raw's on. I update it every commercial break. So um, just when a commercial break is going on, or, or if you're not um, watching and you're following along, you can pretty much know when WWE commercials are going to happen. So you can refresh the page and, uh, and it should be updated. Uh, and then on Twitter, you can find me at B underscore Lee 253. And thank you, Greg, for having me. Always a pleasure talking with you. Really had a blast tonight. Awesome. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and thank you for listening, uh, whether it's live or on delay, uh, hopefully without commercials because you're a VIP member, pwtorch.com slash govip. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. Don't forget, next week we'll be on the air after NXT War Games goes off the air, taking your phone calls and emails in reaction to that show. Uh, don't forget to check out everything PW Torch during the week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week because if it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Black Friday sale all week this week is 85% off a one-month PW Torch VIP subscription, which includes access to my new daily Focus on AEW podcast that we started on November 1st and I've been doing every day this month in the lead-up to and follow-up from the Full Gear pay-per-view that I attended in person. 
Every day I talk about the latest news, uh, point out some interesting social media posts that are AEW related, have on special guests, and uh, do some editorials and also answer email questions from listeners. And special episodes like a focus on the roster depth chart with John Moxley and Kenny Omega out of the picture. What's the lay of the land in terms of the male heavyweight singles division and also look at the tag team depth. If you are into AEW, there is your daily fix every day waiting for you. Focus on AEW that I host. It's new this month and it is available as part of the VIP membership that you can get for just $1.50. That's $8.50 off our normal monthly rate. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP and then enter coupon code at checkout, save 850. That's save 850, and that will knock $8.50 off your VIP subscription. By the way, you can save even more by committing to a three-month or one-year subscription. And by the way, you can apply that $8.50 discount to a three-month or one-year subscription too if you're ready to commit to a longer-term subscription at a monthly rate that on average works out lower than our monthly rate. VIP membership includes instant access to an unmatched library of insider information and long-form interviews, both in audio and transcript format dating back to the late 1980s. For instance, I have reviewed every SummerSlam, and all those reviews are available in our back issues. Explore our ad-free VIP exclusive site with a subscription to the PW Torch VIP service and the Wade Keller Processing Podcasts and Post Shows and Daily Casts, which are free for everybody, are ad-free and plug-free for VIP members. The ads that are digitally inserted from our sponsors and also the pre-recorded in-house ads are not part of the VIP listening experience. That alone might be worth a membership to you. But you'll also get hooked on our post-pay-per-view roundtables that are VIP exclusive, The Fix with Todd Martin that I host, Everything with Rich Fan that I host, the Wade Keller hotlines, and so many specialty shows from a great team. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code SAVE850 at checkout. That's SAVE850 at checkout and get $8.50 off our regular rates. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. It's a great Black Friday sale. Treat yourself to a full month of VIP benefits and see... And if you like the experience, then let it roll over, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber throughout 2022.